0: In Psalm 119, and so we've talked about, last, the last time we were on this series, we talked about uh, how the Word of God shows us right and wrong, and uh, I've used this slide in every single time just because I love it so much. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, your Word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm. Say, stands firm. Stands firm. The Word of God stands firm when you don't. The Word of God stands firm when your heart is wishy washy. The Word of God stands firm when society is driving off a cliff. The Word of God stands firm when your feet feel shaky. The Word of God cannot be moved. It cannot be changed. It cannot be shaken. And it's eternal. It's forever and forever and forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. And so if you're feeling anything but firm and eternal we need to make sure that we're rooted on the word of God. So, what's the subject for today? Well, we're in Psalm 119, but what's the subject? We're going to talk about truth. Oh, I just got really quiet. <laughs> it's like I said a bad word. We're going to talk about truth. Truth in 2023 is is kind of a weird concept. So, what is what does truth mean? It You know those words that that you know, and you know, you know, but then when you go to try to define them, you're like, oh, well, that's easy, but it's, truth is, is not as hard as maybe like holiness or (laughs) something like that, but truth is, is an accurate portrayal of what really is. It's a, it's a correct description of reality. It, it's it's an understanding of of what is and what isn't, of how things work. Of, its truth is what's real. And so we are uh, we're struggling in in 2023 with in society in general with with this word. People don't like this word a lot these days, but it's really important to know truth. It's really important. Like I feel so many times that we we get sidetracked in trying to do things but we don't know the truth about something for instance has anyone driven in a blizzard okay you are desperately concerned with truth at that moment you didn't know it but when you can't see the road you want to know, if someone's like, ah, it doesn't matter. The road's wherever you feel like the road is. I guess if you've got big enough tires and a big enough engine, that's probably true. But for the rest of us that drive normal vehicles, I need to know the truth about, you know, uh, oh, I get to pick on Stephen and Tricia. They're not here. Uh, Stephen and Tricia, hey, this is a perfect example. You'll have to let them know that I, this, is, this is really good. Stephen and Trisha went to Tennessee, right? and they pack up their beautiful little family with their beautiful little luggage and their coordinated clothes and their snacky snacks and they go driving down the road, and guess what they do? They run out of gas. <laughs> they run out of gas. You know why they ran out of gas? Because the gas Gascades showed that they had half a tank left. We should have 100 miles left but it was not telling the truth. They were not getting an accurate description of what was really going on. But you know what? I bet in the moments right before that, I bet they felt really good about it. Man, we've been driving for like days on this tank of gas. Look at that. Huh? Huh? (laughs) Truth is inconvenient sometimes. The truth is, yeah, you've got a half a mile left of your gas tank, and there's not another gas station for, it actually wasn't too bad, and a trucker picked him up or whatever. It was, the grace of God was on it, but I'm so thankful that they were willing to be a sermon illustration for today. So please, <laughs> please te- text and email them, tell them thank you, that they, they were solidifying this point. Like, it, he probably felt a lot better about his driving skills and how, much, how far he could get. You, ever, you guys ever heard of hypermilers? They're those guys that they shut out, you know, drive these little three banger cars and they shut off the engine on the top of hills and then they coast and they you know, like if, if they get seventy miles to the gallon, I mean they're depressed about it for weeks. I mean they're they're shooting for triple digits. Like they're you know, they're always drive they've planning their routes so they're going with the wind, all you know what I mean? It's just it's crazy. So Steven was probably like, Yeah, I'm like one of those guys. Look at this, like eighty miles to the gallon. Pretty good. It feels good, but it wasn't good. When you go, uh, when you go to, well, go to the doctor, right? Has anyone ever ever got treated for something that ended up not really being the issue? Like, isn't like you pay thousands of dollars and and take medication that you didn't need to take, and we find out that the truth is, oh, it wasn't your gallbladder; it was I don't even know what organs are in there—heart, whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? But we don't, you know, we don't want to get treated for a broken leg when the truth is, you know, we've got a broken shoulder. So we want we want truth matters a lot when we're in the doctor's office, right? How about anyone anyway, we uh, where we, Oh, it was a men's thing. I started talking about, or no, Wednesday night I started talking about AI one night and artificial intelligence, and everybody just kind of went blank. So I'm expecting to kind of get. Well, we got some younger crowd here. You guys, you got ChatGPT, AI, kind of familiar with any of that kind of stuff? Uh, just like the time is coming. Just this is not prophetic. This is just this is fleshly prophetic. Like you can see that the time is coming really shortly, where you're not going to know what is real and what's not anymore. Like we I, I, think I mentioned this in church, but I, you know, I sat with two college professors just a little bit ago, and that was the conversation they're having. How do we teach? in the middle of not knowing what's real, what's not, who's done the work, who hasn't like, what, what can we still offer? And because this thing is, this thing's, it's not even fully unleashed yet. And holy macaroni, like, like I'm not a fear monger. If you've known me for more than two minutes, I'm just, I'm not the fear guy. I'm like, ah, come on, we'll figure it out. But this this one's a little tricky everyone wants to put the genie in the bottle, but then once it gets out and, but they want a committee, but no one wants to really be on that committee because who wants to shut down the, possibly coolest thing we've ever had. We just are not excited about it ending the world on us. But you know what I mean. But the deal is we're already at the point where it's hard to distinguish what's truth and what's not because there's, there's photos and videos now that look as real as anything you've ever... So it, the old adage used to be, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. And I think very shortly it's going to be, I've seen it, you know, so that means nothing. Show me truth without showing me a picture or video. It used to be opposite, and I think, I think we're really, I think, I think we're like months away from, like, you know, 12 to 24 months away from you not being able to trust anything that you see, watch or see. And we're already pretty close, but we're not quite there yet. Hey, hope you're having a happy Sunday. <laughs> Great, glad I came to church today. But truth is really important. Truth is really, we get, we, we it's convenient to slide truth out of the way until it affects us. Then we were, hey, no, I want to, one of the things when in youth group, Marnie and I led youth group for years and years and years, a couple decades, and one of, one of the things that we would always talk about when we're dating, you know, like when you're dating, what are you looking for in someone else? You know, how kind of help kids pick godly people to spend time with, and and always on the top of the list, truthful and trustworthy, right? Like You find out that you're just being lied to, everyone's like, eh, well, well, that's okay. Truth isn't that important. No, when it really matters, truth is, that's what I'm trying to say today. When it really matters, truth is really important. Um, we, uh, we, we've been privileged to walk through a number of, kind of like be a, not a mediator, that's too strong of a word, but like help talk through maybe just different I don't know. Anyone ever had drama in your life before? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. If, if you're human, you do. That's just what we, ha- it's what we have. And as pastors and just as friends, you know, and, and youth leaders, you know, talking with youth and just relationships, whatever. We've, we've been in the middle of some of that, not in a bad way, but in a, in a good way, trying to help out, whatever. It's always amazing, and I don't think people do this on purpose, but it's always amazing how we always get part of the story. Like always, like every single time. And I don't think, pe- and often people aren't lying. They're not trying to lie to us, but we're really good at just letting out, we open the floodgates and let you know just what you need to know so that you hear my side of the story. And then we go talk to, them. and not like we're trying to any big thing, but just trying to help people, you know, cause they're frustrated or whatever. And we're like, Hey, help. we're just trying to give advice. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. So we'll kind of help them through. Then we'll end up hearing the other side of the story and like all the, like like, yeah, you went there at 2 o'clock. Okay, and yeah, you had lasagna. Yeah, but, like, in the stories match, but you'd think that it was two complete different places. Like, wait a minute, this story and this story, I, that doesn't match up at all. You know, the facts were the same, but, like, what actually went on? And so you feel at such a disadvantage. How do we help when we don't know the real problem? That's what I'm trying to get at. How do we help? Because when, you, when you're not truthful... And I don't mean in your relationships. I just When you don't have truth, when you're not operating from a place of, of an accurate reality, you end up spending a lot of time answering questions that aren't the right questions. Solving problems that aren't the real problems. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm wrapping my knee. Well, why are you wrapping your knee? So that the pain goes away. Okay, well, what's going on? Well, I hurt my shoulder. Okay, What? you you're you're working hard you're solving problems but that's the wrong problem and so we want to know truth so that we're answering the right questions and that's what truth does it's it's shocking and edgy and we don't always like to know I don't always like to know that I've got 1 mile left and I'm out of gas but that lets me know what problem really needs to be solved am I making sense at all we want truth because As much as it hurts, as much as it's ugly, as much as it's uncomfortable, truth is for my benefit. I want to know where the road is when I'm driving in a blizzard. I want to know what my condition really is so that I can pray for God's healing and take the right medicine and all the good stuff. So in 2023, we don't like truth, but it's so important for anything that matters. So now we're going to go something that really matters. If any of you are on Facebook and have me as a friend, you've maybe seen this. This is my Facebook post, because that is my brown schweiger sandwich that I had on Friday, and I've had the same one—not the same sandwich, but the same tube of brown of ground up pressed organ meat this whole week. And I got so excited about it, I went to Bowie's on Friday and I bought another tube of brown schweger that I'm going to have this week, and I love it so much. So here's the deal. Brown is awesome. That's truth. <laughs> some of you just can't see the truth. <laughs> what we call that is subjective. Say subjective. Subjective truth. Now, that's true for me, but it might not be true for you, and I don't know why. You must have some kind of mental condition or something if you don't love Brown because it's clearly awesome. It's clearly awesome. We should do that. We should do, you know, Alan does like a smoked pork feed or whatever. We should do a fundraiser sometime, do a Braunschweiger feed. Yeah. Oh, well, you'd probably pay us to not come. (laughs) So what I'm not, I'm not talking about subjective. So what we want to do is, is I love Braunschweiger. That's true. And who, who does not like Braunschweiger? Okay, well, Aspen for sure. Aspen does not like, she hates Brown. That's true for her. That's called subjective truth. Now, we love to take objective truths that are true all the time for everyone, and we love to make them subjective. And have anyone ever heard, well, that's, that's your truth, and I'm living my truth? Well, that's great if we're talking about Braunschweiger. It's bad if we're talking about things that really matter because there are objective truths that really matter. There's objective truths about the reality of of our lives. I've I've actually got a list of them coming on, but let's read some verses. Psalm 119, verses 29 and 30 says, keep me from the way of what? Deceit. Huh. And graciously give me your, your instruction. I've chosen the way of truth. I've set your ordinances before me. So the psalmist is just kind of laying this out here that if, if, I'm not, if I'm not lined up with your truth, God, with your word, again, your word is truth. If I'm not lined up with that, then there's, then there's deceit involved. There's trickery. There's, there's willing or unwilling foolery going on. I'm getting, I'm getting buffaloed. I'm getting tricked into believing something. You guys ever been just like all on board with something and you found out later it's not true? You're like... Man. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. I don't, I don't want to get tricked. I don't want to get sidetracked in something. Keep me on your truth. Psalm 119, verses 43 and 44 says, Never take your word of truth from my mouth. I've put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. And that's why that first slide about your word stands firm and it's eternal, there's such hope in that. Because, because whether this truth is attacking my heart or not, it gives me a place to stand. And I can always trust in truth, in the word of God. Here's another one, same verse, just different versions. Listen to this. The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. And uh, NLT says, the very essence of your words is truth. And all your just regulations will stand forever so are we getting the picture that the Bible thinks that the Bible is truth okay (laughs) you ever you ever cornered one of your kids or someone and said what do you have to say for yourself if you did that to the Bible that's what the Bible would say back to you this is truth so what the Bible thinks about itself obviously this is our God's Word so God is just making this declaration that if you want truth it's in the Word of God that the word of God is objective truth, all people, all everywhere, at all times. And it's the truth about what? I've just got a few up on the board here. It's the truth about reality. Um, the Bible says that what you see, taste, touch, and feel is temporary. What's unseen is eternal. Most of us wouldn't think that. We don't think that way. The Bible tells us truth after truth that goes cross-grain to what our mind, what seems natural to us, what seems normal to us. And so the Bible's saying, yeah, all the important things, those are the unseen things. The unseen realm, the unseen things such as love and and integrity, like those things, those things are the real things. Those things are the eternal things. Jesus is the eternal one. The kingdom of heaven is the eternal kingdom. All this stuff, like it's destined for fire. It's gonna be burned up and remade, right? But the unseen things, those are eternal. That's a truth. It tells us the truth about reality. It tells us the truth about humanity. Well, we're just another animal, right? We're just a little more advanced. Not, not true at all. We're a unique and special creation breathed in by the breath of God, formed uniquely in the image of God. That's why we, we protect lives and believe that people have value because we're intrinsically worth it. We're not just another animal. It tells us truth about human. tells us truth about spirituality. Well, you know, just uh, as long as you're a good person and kind of, you will know, do, you know, don't don't say weird things and wear bad t-shirts. You'll you'll be fine. You know, whatever. I don't know. No, it tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It, says, it it tells us about our eternal destinies, heaven or hell. It tells us about, you know, the condition of our hearts. Our sexuality. Wow, what a mixed bag for this day and age. Our relationships. The Proverbs is filled with insight and wisdom And truth about the human heart And how to do relationships it Tells us the truth about sin Well, I didn't ever kill nobody So I'm pretty good, right? Yeah, maybe not Let's look at what the Word of God says about us Truth about the cosmos Where did all this come from? I was just listening to uh, uh, A little clip of, of uh, Joe Rogan and Stephen Meyer Stephen Myers wow, you guys are maybe could understand him. He's a little smart for me, but he talks about creation and the cell and, and he's an apologist and talks about all that kind of stuff. And he was talking with Joe Rogan and, and Joe Rogan made the comment. He's like, you know, and so he quoted someone, Joe Rogan quoted someone else. He said, he's like all these humanistic evolutionists, you know, cosmologists that want to talk about all of this stuff, you know, kind of just we we know how it all happened, whatever they Joe Rogan said this. He said they all talk about we're all good, but you just gotta give us one miracle. And multiple scientists have said that. You gotta give us our one miracle. Like something that came from nothing. Like we don't know how that happened. We've got ideas, we've got thoughts, we don't know. There's like we <laughs> open up the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's pretty cool. The Bible tells us that truth. Tells us the truth about good and evil. Talked about that last time. Uh, We all like to think we're good. We all like to think you're evil. (laughs) It's just how we're built. The Bible tells us differently. Tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All right. Let's go back to uh, Jesus is standing before Pilate in John chapter 18. And he's just about to be crucified. And this is kind of one of the famous lines here. And Pilate says, you're, you're a king then? And we're coming in mid story here. And Jesus replied, You say that I'm a king. I was born for this, and I've come into the world for this. Listen now, this is Jesus talking about his life mission to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate, in this famous veritas, ude, ude, veritas, something like that in Latin. What is truth? And walks away. What is truth? What is truth? And isn't that the question that we're asking in 2023? 2,000 years later, we're asking, what is truth? And the word of God makes a bold stand on what is truth. Number one, the word of God is truth. And so I want just, to just hone in on this for just a second. He says this, everyone who is of the truth, or some versions say on the side of the truth, listens to my voice. That voice is, that, that verse has always been odd to me. Everyone who is on the side of truth or everyone who is of the truth listens to me. And I think you find a thread throughout the whole scriptures that if your heart wants to know the Lord, God will orchestrate it to make sure you find out about God. And I've seen that over and over and over again. And if your heart is bent on doing your own thing, no matter what, you won't find God. Or you, you'll you just, you'll get, there's like I see that in scripture and I see it in my personal life. Like, if your heart is set on seeking the Lord, whatever that means, God, how many times we've heard prayers, God, if you're real, show me who you're, like, I don't, I don't even think you're real, but if you really are real, I mean, there's been millions of those prayers prayed over the last 2,000 years, and time and time again, those whose hearts are really seeking him, all of a sudden, they're walking through town, and someone just happened to be coming through to- that town today, riding on a bike with a Bible, <laughs> oh, hey, there you go, Right? Isaac, you're building up enough of those stories now. Isaac's been just uh, talking to everybody about Jesus. And so God will orchestrate your path so that you run into my, my mom and dad's own salvation story. Just like they were wrestling and like, oh, what is real? God, are you real? And whatever. And yeah, one person after another, they just would say, yeah, oh, they, oh someone just came. Oh, they just happened to show up. Oh, they just happened to call. And, Right? Just coincidentally, right? And that's what that's what Jesus is saying is, if your heart is wanting to know truth, if your heart is wanting to know the Lord, you'll get there. It might be a, a messy journey, but God will make sure that you get there. All right. If you're uh, listening, you know, on the radio or online or whatever, I mean, you guys will be fine here, but just, just listen. I'm, I want to share a story with you, and we're, we're going to read it just because you would get bored if I just read a bunch of this. Um, but there's a guy by the name of Beckett Cook. So he's got the Beckett Cook show, obviously, because it says right there, he's got the Beckett Cook show. I've got his book. Um, and so I want to I share a couple quotes because when I was reading this verse, it reminded me of some things that he said. So I, I went and got dug into his book and found that spot where he was talking about this. So I'm going to share a little bit of his testimony with you. And so this is his story. This is Beckett's story. And the first section of this comes from his website. So it's the about me, you know, that kind of thing on his website. So the first couple slides are that. And then I'm going to share some snippets out of the book. And I want, I want you to remember in your head the words of Jesus saying that everyone who is of the truth listens to my words. Like it resonates with them. So it says this. Excuse me. Beckett Cook was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. He he attended Jesuit College Preparatory School of Dallas. After college, Beckett moved to Los Angeles to pursue his dream of writing and acting, finding success in both. He eventually went on to become a production designer, working with the top photographers and directors in the world on fashion shoots for magazines such as Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and ad campaigns such as Gap, L'Oreal, Paris, and Nike. I don't have it in my slide, but I think it was in his book. He was talking about that he was often at parties at Drew Barrymore's house and doing pool parties, you know. So he just was in, the, in that crowd and, and living his best life now, right? Finding a new sense of freedom in L.A., Beckett also fully engaged in his new life as a gay man. He had a series of many relationships with men throughout the next 15 years. In September of 2009, Beckett met a stranger at a coffee shop in Silver Lake who who invited him to his church in Hollywood called Reality L.A. Beckett reluctantly agreed to attend the service. So here's his book, and then the next quotes are right right from the book, from his story at the beginning of his book. So, uh, Change of Affection by Beckett Cook. He says this, In my personal postmodern world in which all truth was Subjective, we just talked about that earlier. I was struck by the suggestion that there could be some kind of objective truth, whether I liked it or not. He said, On September 20th, 2009, that peculiar day, I found myself in an evangelical church for the first time. Okay, first time he's ever been in church. I sat in the auditorium listening intently as the pastor began his sermon from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. I, along with the rest of the congregation, was captivated. All right? So he's talking about his very first time coming into church. As he preached, every sentence that came out of his mouth resonated as truthful. This is his own words, his own testimony to me. It was strange, and I had no idea why. But in his spirit, it was resonating that this was true. My thoughts kept exclaiming, yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. My mind and my heart were agreeing with every word he was saying and continued to do so for the entire hour-long sermon. I don't want to hear any more complaining. (laughs) Hour-long sermon. So anyways, I was doubled over from the magnitude of it. Then it happened. I don't know how to describe it other than to say that God revealed himself to me. In that moment, everything became clear. God was real. Jesus was real. The Bible was real. The resurrection was real. Heaven was real. Hell was real. It was all real. Everything that I had dismissed as a fairy tale was all true. He just it, As the preacher was sharing the word of God... That word of God resonated in his heart, and it wasn't someone convincing him. It was the Holy Spirit saying, Beckett, this is truth. 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 Just resonated in his spirit. Like Paul, as it, was, it was as if scales fell from my eyes, and I was able to see. It was as if a curtain had parted, and I could finally see the truth. The mysteries of faith were unlocked in that split second. The meaning of my life became absolutely clear. I finally knew where I came from, what I was doing here, and where I was going. God revealed his holiness to me, and I saw the utter depth of my sin in light of his holiness. I felt this deep mix of sorrow and of incredible joy. Sorrow over my sin and joy over meeting Jesus Christ and gratefulness for everything that that meant. In front of a holy God, I was unworthy. But God had mercy on me and took away all my guilt and shame through the blood of Jesus so long ago. My sins were forgiven, and I was reconciled to God through Christ. Every Christian term that I had heard over the years to describe this indescribable reality was appropriate. I was saved, born again, regenerated, adopted in the family of God, and given eternal life. What a powerful testimony. The guy who had no church experience comes in thinking it's all just foolishness and rubbish, somehow agrees to go to a church service, ends up happening being, you know, the preachers preaching on Romans happen to be in the right place at the right time, coincidentally. But God knew that his heart was seeking. His heart wanted to know truth. So this last slide is just, it's off of his uh, website. He said... After hearing the sermon that Sunday, Beckett was utterly transformed by the gospel and gave his life to Christ. He also knew on that day when God revealed himself to him that homosexuality was a sin and he could no longer live that life. Beckett was more than happy to count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love that. His vibrant test. He has his show today and he has... Just incredible interviews and talks through stuff in such a tender, beautiful way. He didn't give his heart to Christ because someone gave him the best argument. Didn't give his heart to Christ because some angry preacher was telling you, "Ah." he gave his heart to Christ because the word of God resonated inside of him and the Holy Spirit went, that's true, that's true. And his heart said, that's true, that's true. I'll give you a Braunschweiger sandwich if you can say that name. That is not the guy, but it's a representation, uh, we'll go on, but a Buddhist monk. So this is out of another book. It says uh, James Rutz in his book uh, 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 Megashift, which I have as well, shares several stories of people being raised from the dead. The first involves a 40-year-old Buddhist monk from Myanmar named that name, Ethet Pian Shinta Palau. He was dead for three days in 1998, but at his funeral, just before being cremated, he sat up in his coffin in front of a crowd of hundreds and shouted, "'It's all a lie. I saw our ancestors burning and being tortured in some kind of fire. I also saw Buddha and many other Buddhist holy men. They were all in a sea of fire. We must listen to the Christians. They're the only ones who know the truth.'" This man had never read a Bible and hadn't heard of hell, so his experience was a traumatic shock. He saw people from the Bible like Goliath, whom he described as a nine-foot-plus tall man in military armor with a wound in his forehead. How crazy is that? I'd read a couple different accounts of him online, and one of the supposed eyewitness accounts said they took almost two cups, a cup and three-quarters of liquid that had seeped out of his organs after being dead for three days. And they poured that out of the coffin after he got up and got out of the coffin. And his words were, the Christians know the truth. Jesus answered, and we mentioned this verse already, but Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I know I've got a lot of stories today. These, these last ones are just a couple quotes from this book. Uh, if you it, the subject of truth, John Mark Comer is phenomenal talking about present-day truth and putting it in context. And uh, Abdu Murray, he's a former Muslim. Uh, his testimony is phenomenal. He's super smart, uh, but he writes in a way that I, even I can understand. So, if you want to check out Saving Truth, it's a, a great you know finding meaning and clarity in a post-truth world. Just a couple quotes from him, and we'll we'll wind this up for today. Wait, I can preach an hour. Hold on. <laughs> Abdu Murray says that in his book, Saving Truth, he says, the creep of post-truth is seen in how we gather information about the world to conform to what we want to be true, not to what is actually true. Because what's actually true makes us uncomfortable. And uh, we've, all, we've all lived that. We've all witnessed that. We've all felt that. Listen to this statement by Abdu Murray, former, former Muslim. Okay? He says this. One of the reasons I follow Christ is that his words accurately describe reality. Jesus is the truth. He says how things really are. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He loves us. We're loved. We're made in his image, but we're also filled with sin that needs to be dealt with. And he also says, post-truth has now blossomed into a culture of confusion. I had to include this quote because that's, that's where we're at today. In 2023, we've got a culture of confusion. We're confused about who we are, about what we are, about where we are, about what reality is. And Jesus is crying out in the desert, man, I'm the way, I'm the truth. If you want to know truth, confusion is embraced as a virtue and clarity is shunned as sin. That's it's very interesting. The answer to life's questions no no longer need to correspond to reality. They only need to cater to our desires. And that book was written a couple years ago, and it's only gotten worse since that book was written. C.S. Lewis quote, If you look for truth, you might find comfort in the end. But if you look for comfort, you'll not get either comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with. And in the end, despair. We abandon truth because we like comfort. I don't like to be uneasy. I don't like to make my friends mad. I don't like to go against what all all the people around me believe. And the word of God is crying out, clearly setting a standard of belief and explaining reality as it really is. And it's so easy for our hearts to get pulled and swayed into so many different directions. And I'm just declaring to you today that the Word of God is truth. You've got to keep running to the Word. Keep running to the Word. What does the Word say? What does the Word of God say? What does Jesus say about this? What does the Word say? I've got to keep going to the Word of God because I get convinced. It's like that first verse that we read. God, keep me from deceit. Keep me from being tricked. Keep me from being fooled. I want to know the accurate truth of what you say. Two more verses. Jesus said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is what? Truth. Last one. Last one, we're done. John 8, 31 and 32 says this. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word... You're really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I, I, I'm as tempted as you and anyone else is to pull back and to shelter truth because it might be offensive to you, and it might make you nervous. But the second I see the vision of where truth leads, that doesn't really matter anymore. I get really excited because I know that on the other side of truth is freedom. And so I promised, as your pastor, to always do the best of my ability to listen to the Lord and to follow the Word of God, because I know that if I give you the Word of God in, in its uncompromised version, that that proclamation carries within it freedom. Follow my word. Because if you follow my word, Jesus said, you'll really be my disciple. And then you'll know the truth. And the truth brings freedom. 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 That's the prize. That's what's in store. Bondage is what's in store when we're in deceit. We're, we're tied up in trickery. But Jesus promises freedom. Amen? Whoo! Still with me? All right. Well, if you're not uh, bleeding and battered and broken and bruised, (laughs) if you are, we've got a prayer team coming here very shortly. So uh, we'll pray for all the right things for you. But let's just, uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you, God, that you've given us truth. And Lord, I just, you know my own heart, and your word offends me, and I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful that you care enough to tell me the truth so that my heart can repent, so that my heart can say, you're right, I'm not, so that my heart can follow God and not serve myself. I thank you, Jesus, for being so good and so kind and so gracious to draw us to your heart today. Lord, we just pray for just a, a, a revelation of the truth of God's word in our own hearts and in our own lives today. We pray for the freedom that you promised to be seen in all of our lives. And we pray for truth to be proclaimed and lived out in our lives. We want to be your disciples. We just pray today in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen.